I think by making better firefighters is making them thinking firefighters, explain to them why it is what you're doing. And this is what the reason is. And you know, A, B, C, and D is what can happen. And I just think it makes you a better prepared, better well-rounded firefighter. Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again on Code 3 today. This is the show that gives you all the information you need on a firefighting topic in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. When you want something done, sometimes the best solution is to do it yourself. That can apply to fire service training, too. My guest today was a young firefighter when he was assigned to a slow station after being in a very busy one. He found a crew that wasn't much interested in training. About the time he was starting to get lazy himself, he realized he could do his own training even when no one else wanted to participate. At first, his DYI approach didn't have much impact, but slowly the rest of the crew came around. Then he found he could volunteer to help his department's understaffed training division. Kevin Whitaker is a lieutenant at the St. Lucie County, Florida Fire District. He's been there since 2005. He's also a state-certified fire instructor. And Kevin Whitaker joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you here. Now, you suggest that firefighters need to push for the kind of training they want to see. But at one time, you worked in a house with senior men who didn't much care. How did you address that problem? Well, you know, it all comes down to self-motivation, I think. There's going to be times where you get into a rut and life gets involved. And when you go to work, your mind's not at work. And I think that that takes a lot of self-motivation and and understanding the importance of uh, our job and the importance of showing to work ready to go. You have to kind of push yourself to be better every single shift and every single day. And, you know, whether someone's there to do that for you or not, you have to be that, that motivation to push yourself to be better, whether it's through training or studying or, you know, involving others. And, and I really do believe that if you start or you show the way, uh, other people are going to follow that, that example. So how did you deal with that on your end at that time? It just came down to self-realization that I needed to be better. So... I just started doing it. I started going out, you know, outside and, and throwing ladders. There's a light pole in the back of the station, and I used to throw ladders against the light pole because I didn't want to scratch up the building and mess the paint up and get in trouble. So we'd throw ladders against the light pole, or I'd go out and get some hose off the rack, put it in a hose bundle, and, and practice pulling hose lines. And I was doing it just all by myself. I would, I would ask the other guys, you know, if they would want to uh, participate and, and want to get involved. And most of the time it was no, 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 or yeah, I'll be out there in a minute. And then they'd never show up. But I started doing it every shift and I would ask them every time. 
And I, I think, you know, you start to feel guilty about it. You see someone else working while you're not doing anything. And it tends to, you know, that that takes over and you end up feeling like you got to do something. So they come out and they, they start working. And then before you know it, everybody's working as a team and, and, and you're having a good time and, and enjoying yourselves. And then you forget about all the other stuff and you remember the fun stuff about being a firefighter and, and how much fun it actually is to throw ladders and and pull hose lines and spray water and you know that, that it, it is all fun stuff that we get to do yeah you know when you started doing this on your own i'm curious did the uh, senior guys come out and eventually start saying actually you're not doing it right you should be doing it this way yeah you know it, it's always and that that's what's cool about the fire service is there's you know 15 different ways to do a skill right so you know, sometimes it was a negative connotation behind it. You know, like, hey, you're doing that wrong. And just a quick thing. Hey, you know, I, I understand that this is the way that we do it, but I just saw this new way, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that it's better. It's just tools for your toolbox. You know, you hear that saying all the time, but it's true. It's just a different way to do things because you're not going to run in. You know, when you're doing forcible entry, every door you run into is different. You're not, you're not going to hit the same door every time you do forcible entry. So you have to know five different ways, you know, 10 different ways, whatever it is to get into a, a door um, so that when you run into a problem, you know how to pivot and adjust and fix uh, and, and, and then ultimately succeed in your job. And that's where the experience of the senior guys comes in because they've seen several of those different situations that maybe the younger guys that have been taught one way still need to learn. Exactly. But you know, with, with seniority doesn't necessarily mean experience. You know, so that that's just something that I tell people all the time to be careful with. Just because somebody has, you know, 20 years on the job doesn't mean that that person's, you know, is really uh, on their game. Because if you spent 20 years at a slow house and never did any training, but I got a guy with five years on that's been at a, goes to, to outside training all the time, um, you know, works to better themselves every shift and is at a busy house. Well, that's not even a comparison on who I would pick for my, you know, my team. I think one of the most important things that firefighters can do is attend outside training. Um, you learn from other people. You learn how uh, different techniques and different uh, ways people do things in different regions. And you meet new people and, and you make this network I'm part of the, the Fools organization, the Fraternal Order of Leatherhead Society. That's all about preserving the tradition and brotherhood of the fire service through training. You just meet so many different people and, and you learn so many different ways to do things that you would never even realize. So outside training to me is one of the most important things that you can get involved when, in, you know, in the fire service. And there's a lot of um, scholarships out there and, you know, that they do a lot of drawing. Now, it does get expensive for some of these conferences, especially if you're coming from out of town when you factor in three or four days in a hotel and flight or driving, you know, it gets expensive, but in the end, it is worth it. When you take that back to your house, does it help bring enthusiasm to the crew or do they look at you as a know-it-all? You know, at, at first, it was a know-it-all. You know, at, at first people would, you know, kind of scoff at me. In the beginning, it was it was a challenge, but um, eventually they warmed up and it was more like, hey, what'd you learn at this conference or what'd you learn now? Uh, what are you going to show us this time? You know, that kind of thing. 
so after they got used to the idea that you were actually going to learn useful stuff, they wanted to know what was going on themselves. Exactly. And they started coming to the conferences. You know, I'd always invite people and, and our numbers started to grow. Um, I, I'm part of, like I said, the Treasure Coast Fools. And uh, our organization is, is pretty well represented at the fire conferences in, a, in our regional area. We usually have one of the larger groups that show up. And that's, you know, a, a tribute to me and the other guys that, that I uh, run with, just inviting people and, and getting them involved. You know, and, and I really do think it starts, you got to get the younger guys involved early in their career. And the reason I say that is because I want you to think that, that this is normal. You know, I, I don't want you to think that sitting in the chairs or watching TV or taking naps is normal and, and that that's okay. If, if you set the standard at the beginning of their careers that, hey, this is what's normal, going to conferences, training in your off time, learning new things. That's the normal. I, I think we're just uh, building that, that fire service to be better off in the future. And I think it starts with those younger guys. So you're saying that if what you want to do is you want to change their culture or show them the culture when they're new at it rather than having to change them later. As most people know it's, it's much easier to learn a new behavior than it is to change an already set behavior. You know, that, that's right. just a, the standard that we have. So you're also an advocate of volunteering to train others. That may be great in a small department, but how does it work in a larger one where there may already be a training division in place? Yeah, so when I first started, um, you know, my personal experience, I was going to conferences, I was doing the stuff that we've already talked about, and I thought that I could make a difference. But we had, our fire department was over 400 people with one person, two people in the training division. You know, it just wasn't a, a priority for our, our department at the time. And I thought, you know, instead of complaining about them not doing their job, maybe, maybe they just need some help. So I volunteered to make training videos and make training outlines. And it kind of snowballed from there. And I ended up becoming part of the training division in, in the end. But yeah, when you reach out to those divisions, those people, you know, they're, everybody's overworked. So it's not like they're sitting there doing nothing all day. They need that help. And a lot of times they're going to welcome that help and, and that motivation that you have. You know, most of the time they're not going to stifle that. They're going to kind of encourage that because it just takes some off their plate and they're able to, to do other projects and, and let you work on uh, something that you think uh, needs to be done for your department. What challenges do you face if you decide to get involved in doing this kind of a thing? I mean, it's outside of your everyday job, so there's got to be some challenges to it that you might not expect. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges. One of the big challenges that I actually had was learning how to use the video equipment and the computers and making my own training videos. You know, this was back, it was probably, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And if you, you can imagine the, how far we've come in just 10 years with technology, but I was trying to use a GoPro and um, Windows Movie Maker was how I did all my videos because it was pretty easy to use. Um, and I would make training videos and, and that's how we disseminated the information out to the crews. So that was something is learning technology 
you know, and that's something again, where those younger guys can actually help, you know, people that, that are, are people that understand technology a little better. That was one thing that I didn't see that I didn't realize when I first started, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And then another thing is to talk to people that have done it, you know, use that network that you're starting to build or that you have built, talk to the training division to see, do they already have a training outline that they like to use, you know, for the, the, those trainings. I know here in the state of Florida, uh, when you submit a class to the state for state credit, you have to use a certain template. And if you don't use that template, your, your class isn't going to get approved or, and it's just going to get rejected. So you, know, you have to do that kind of homework and find out, you know, what kind of requirements are there for these classes? Does a, my department or state have that kind of type of requirement? And then is there already an existing outline I can use? You know, that, that makes a big difference. Yeah, because otherwise you end up going through a lot of work and then discovering afterwards that it doesn't fit their, their needs. Yeah, exactly. You could be spinning your wheels or someone could already be working on that project um, and you don't even realize it. So you could, you know, and then you might be able to work on that project with them if it is already in, in process. So communication is really a big part of that too, is communicating with your training division or communicating with your department on what's going on, what you see as a need, and then how can we work together to fill that need? Because, you know, it's important in the world of egos, we don't want the training division or we don't want someone, a uh, chief or whoever, to feel like we're trying to uh, overstep our bounds. We want to make sure that we're working together to achieve the same goal. So where do you get the budget for equipment or facilities for DIY training? Classes? You know, it, it really comes down to what you're, how creative are you? You know, what's your imagination like? We don't have a, a, a big budget. I never had a big budget. We tried to, you know, use any kind of um, wood that people have around their houses or that you can find at the training facility already there because we have a training facility in our in our uh, area that we use. And, you know, sometimes they have leftover equipment from different uh, classes that have gone through. So it's just being resourceful, really. And now with technology, you can make better videos on your phone than you can with a, a camcorder. You know, and everybody has a cell phone. You know, making the videos is really easy nowadays. It's, it's something that's, uh, I mean, it's really the easiest thing you can do. And as far as equipment goes, you know, you got to partner with, hopefully if you get approval from your your department they can you know help you out with some equipment or if you have a training college or something like that in your area a lot of the times they'll work with you and and donate that equipment for for free you know you, a lot of times you don't have to pay for for the use as long as you don't damage anything you just got to be careful it sounds like a great idea to take the initiative and do that. So in your experience, and you took the initiative to teach others, not just yourself and then have others come out, but to actually teach classes. What have you gotten out of that? Man, I, I can tell you, it's just made me a better firefighter. You know, I, I get to do a lot of training, you know, back when I first started fire academy, it was, you know, it's pretty military style and, you know, it was a lot of screaming at you and uh, almost training to fail. And now, you know, through different things, we've come to realize that it, training to fail isn't isn't the best way to teach people, especially the newer generation. Uh, we want to we want to do train to succeed. So whether that is you know small steps, 
with positive reinforcement is much more effective than any kind of uh, negative reinforcement. The younger generation seems to want to know why they're having to learn things, and the idea that just because you say so doesn't work. Yeah, you for know them. that's a great point. I think it's super important that you know why you're doing something. You know, I think we should be, and I tell my guys all the time, you have to be a thinking firefighter, right? So I want to know that, uh, you know, I'm doing something, but I want to know why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for a reason. And then I want to know what my expected outcome is from when I do, you know, whatever skill or, or, or job I'm doing. I need to know, you know, if I ventilate and I see, you know, a negative action from my ventilation, I need to know what that means, you know, and, and if, if no one's ever taught me that, or I don't know that, then I'm not going to be any good. You know, so I think by making better firefighters is making them thinking firefighters, explain to them why it is what you're doing. And this is what the reason is. And, you know, A, B, C, and D is what can happen. And I, I just think it makes you a better prepared, better well-rounded firefighter. So, you know, I, I absolutely think that we should be explaining why we do things. It helps everybody. It, it makes it so... Um, everybody's on the same page, and we all have that understanding of what's going on on the fire ground. All right. Kevin Whitaker, thank you very much for joining me on Code 3 today. Scott, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Th thanks for doing what you do, and, and keep up the good work. So, what do you think of Kevin's DIY style of training? He's a fan of taking initiative, that's for sure. There's more information about it on our website at code3podcast.com slash DIY. Take a look and see if you get motivated to start or restart your training. Alright, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.